Welcome to Atheist's Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you tuning in this morning. Today is Sunday, November 17th. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan, and my guest today is Phil Session. During this live show, we welcome your phone calls to 952-946-6205, email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or questions on Twitter directed to Atheist's Talk. When I first invited Phil to the show, he had to turn me down. He had a conflict with an Atheists Helping the Homeless event he was coordinating. He's a busy man these days, having recently joined the boards of Recovering from Religion and Foundation Beyond Belief. But this morning, Phil manages to join me to talk a little bit about the stereotype of community volunteers as religious and about finding or creating volunteer opportunities for atheists. Good morning, Phil. Welcome to Atheists Talk, finally. Good Good morning. Thank you for having me. So before we, we talk more generally um, about volunteering uh, opportunities for atheists, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in atheist activism. Well, sure. So I was raised in a very religious um, family. I had two church homes as I was growing up, one Baptist, one Free Church of God in Christ, as a matter of fact. And so most of the activities that I grew up in were centered around the church. Your fundraisers, any community service events, Christmas programs, Easter programs, all that stuff was centered around those buildings. And for me growing up, that's all I knew. I really thought that was just the norm. Um, as I started transitioning out of religion, when I started realizing that I was a part of the LGBT community and trying to reconcile that with the beliefs that I had been brought up to believe the entire time, that's where my attitude kind of started changing. I was able to stick with religion and kind of self-justify. But once I got to college and got exposed to many other religious individuals, very different from what I grew up with, that's when I really started coming into question. It was a few years later after graduating that I kind of reached the understanding that I didn't have a belief in a deity. And what comes with that is all of the talk about afterlife, seeing your loved ones again at every funeral that was pounded, that message was you know, hit on again and again. But now, once realizing I didn't have a belief in the deity, I realized there is no evidence of an afterlife, that this life is the only life that we have evidence that we're going to live. And that started changing my outlook regarding what impacts I want to have on the world and really started to thrust me into the community service space because for me, it was, this is the only life that I know that I'm going to have. In addition, the peoples whose lives we affect, this is the only life that we know they are going to have as well. So there's a limited time frame on both sides to do something, at least up in part, to aid people and change just a little bit of the trajectory of their lives. And so that's why I've really began to push into activism and trying to find my space in the community service sphere and in the secular community. Now, if you, your entire life was organized around religion, it must have uh, been quite the shock to um, suddenly find yourself on the outside of that community. Yes, that is, as I said before, it was the only one that I knew of. I did not know. I remember, goodness, I remember back when I realized I was atheist, when I actually learned that word for the first time, I was in my 20s. I had already graduated college at this point. Can you imagine that? Um, because it was never referred to in 
my churches as that it was always someone who rejected the word of God or something along those. It was always something different, never that word in particular. But it ripped out from under me this framework that, you know, what was I supposed to do? Like, how could I even engage in community service? Because from what I knew, the church had all that, you know, your salvation armies, that that is where your community service took place. And so when I realized I was an atheist, I didn't even look at other groups because I didn't really know that other groups were out there. I was very, very, very new at that point. Uh, I just didn't have any frame of reference to there being groups out there and people that are in the secular community that would actually want to engage in community service. And so it was a long transition as I was uh, down the YouTube rabbit hole and finding communities that way that, oh, okay, there are people there. Let me start searching some people. Oh, well, it turns out there's a group uh, here where I live, the Free Thinkers Association of Central Texas. Well, let me see what they're about. Let's see what they do. And it just kind of, it ramped up from there. It's amazing how quickly it's gone just within the last six or so years. Because um, about in 2013 is when I actually came across the word atheism. And now things have changed so much, but yeah, it's been a dramatic shift from my upbringing in that religious framework and understanding that secular individuals have something to offer our communities as well. And I love to help promote that and help push that uh, with the activities that I do or just other ones that I attend myself and don't actually coordinate. So for you, is um, finding a community by and large about what you can do within that community, what what that empowers you to do um, in terms of uh, broader community service? Well, initially, that is why I started looking around for secular communities. It was to find someone, because I didn't want to just go somewhere. I didn't know really where to go or where to uh, volunteer, except for maybe the food bank. But I was just kind of looking around to see what, um, really see what was there. But as I got involved in so many different communities and meeting people and becoming friends, making new friends, when I moved to San Antonio initially, I knew exactly zero people here. And now I have a whole host of friends that I consider very close friends down here in San Antonio, some up in Austin. And as my connections kind of grew, you know, starting to make people friends all over the world in the secular community. And so it's become more about having that support system. Now, community service is still a very large part for me at the very least, but I've recognized over time that these communities have a lot more to offer one another, that support structure that was there, people that you can lean on, that you can, you know, cry with and everything else. Things that I had associated with my church homes, because that's where the framework was for me growing up, exists in these other groups. And I found that out very quickly as you started getting involved and seeing people again and again and forming those bonds over time. And so it definitely, be, the secular groups I interacted with became much more about just doing community service. It was the actual community aspect itself, the support uh, that we can lend each other well, when things are difficult, the fun times we can have together as a community. We don't need to center it around necessarily a deity or doctrine. It's just people wanting to get together to have a good time, to have an impact, to learn something new, et cetera. So it's much more to be offered there. Mm 
Now, I, I did mention in our introduction that there's kind of a stereotype that um, atheists don't do any sort of community service. That's a thing that is is comes out of church communities. Um, yes. When you found atheist community, did you have to build the structures in order to, to start getting people um, volunteering, or was some of that already there? Or um, There was at least some frameworks there. So uh, with FACT in San Antonio, you know, there was already some interest in, for example, building ramps. So that was a Texas ramp project that we started there about three years ago. I think it was January 2016 when that first ramp got off the ground on that side. And or maybe it was 2015. Goodness, I can't even remember now. <laughs> and so, you know, you had this, you know, people that wanted to help. And that was a thing. It's, you started understanding that a lot of people in groups wanted to contribute more, wanted to do more activism. They just didn't know how. They wanted the opportunity to be kind of put out there to say, hey, you know, here's this event that's over here. It's something different, a street cleanup here, or painting graffiti, which is very random. Uh, but you know, I set up a couple of those events here in San Antonio that was very different than the norm. But, hey, we can actually get out to do this. And you start to get additional people that are like, you know, I want to go out to that. Okay, I want to contribute there. And people can really get into it. You know, people are busy. People have lives and kids and everything else. And so... But when those opportunities are presented, when you put those out there for your membership, it's slow. That That is for sure. I can remember with Austin Atheist Helping Homeless, when I became the coordinator of that group, we had one table out there. It was two of us behind it. We could only serve maybe 30 to 40 people at the max. We didn't have a whole lot of supplies. It was a very small thing, but you know, we kept putting it out there. We put a few ads on Facebook to try to see like, okay, what, you know, try to gauge what the community interest might be in this because it was an awesome project, but if people don't know about it, then people won't come. And slowly but surely more people started to come and, you know, you get people that come for just a one-off, they'll come there and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But then you also have people that repeatedly come out, people that are now helping to organize that project, for example. It's just, it's turned into so much, but it's so much interest out there, but if it's not easily acceptable, a lot of people may not pursue it uh, that hard. But if you're in a community and you organize that project, you know, progress may be slow, but there is definitely interest out there because we all, a lot of us want to make impacts on that side, but a lot of people don't know how or don't necessarily want to put in the huge amount of efforts that it would take to build infrastructure themselves. But if you, as an organizer, present that project out there to them, you'd be surprised at the interest you might garner that you didn't really expect before. Uh, and we do need to go to commercial, but really quickly, how many people did you have volunteering at your last Helping the Homeless event? I think at the last Helping the Homeless event was about 20 or so people. We All oscillate. Right. Oh, please, <laughs> please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guest, Phil Session. I'm Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk, and I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. 
This is a live show and we welcome questions at 952-946-6205 or email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Find us on Twitter or Facebook under Atheists Talk. Today's guest is Phil Session. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you. So before we went to commercial, you were telling me a little bit about atheists helping the homeless. Um, can you give me a, a, a bit of more of an overview of how that program works? Because this is something that um, doesn't just exist in Austin. This is something that other groups could get involved with if they wanted to. Yes, they yes they really can on that side, and we do get people that reach out to say, "Hey, well, how do I set up something like this?" And well, I'm not sure how to get started. And so we've over time created little resources of little things that they can think about when they are uh, going about this. But the general overview is that once a month we have an, an established time and place. Once a month, it's cyclical. It's it's you know, something that we don't change much because not only do you want volunteers to know when you're going to be there, but also for the recipients themselves, it's very helpful to know that on this day, at this time, you're going to be there. So we show up with all of our volunteers. So that ranges usually between about 15 to 35 volunteers. We go out once a month. We'll set up tables, lots of tables right next to each other, and we'll have items. And so we'll have a clothing table out there from all the donated clothes from the people, the volunteers themselves, their neighbors, some of their co-workers. We'll have people that knit or crochet hats that will put some out there. We'll have volunteers bringing things like razors and baby wipes and deodorant, stuff like that. And so basically we come together, we kind of see what all we have. We try to organize things and I will do some behind the scene to make sure that we have a good idea of what supplies that we need and make sure I put that information out there to kind of target the donations that we receive. But we put it all together, we lay it out on the table, and then we have an organized line where we'll open the line once we're ready and let people walk through going down the line, getting things at their leisure. And so we'll have, for example, the representative from I Support the Girls, the Austin chapter, will be out there with feminine hygiene products and gently used bras along the line. We will have coffee and Kool-Aid and or hot chocolate. Once it gets warmer, we'll switch to hot chocolate. So for December, that's definitely going to be a thing even here in Texas. But people come through the line, they get what they need. They can skip the things they already have because there are other groups that also serve in this area. And so people are fairly good about not duplicating their own items if they've already got it because they don't want to be overburdened with stuff that they don't need in the first place or weighing them down, for example, something else to have to carry around uh, as they move. So we do it. We go out for about 15 minutes before the giveaway really begins, organizing everything together. Then we open it up for about the next hour or so to let the however many people that go through the line that want to go through the line have the opportunity to do so. And on average, you're looking at about 175 to 250 people in the Austin area that will go through the line every single month. That's about the number that you get. It's a very, very large number. And it's very. it differs, of course, from city to city, depending on where you're located and everything else. But it's a fairly simplistic process. And you can look at videos that we have online. If you search Austin Atheist Helping the Homeless or go to the website or just the YouTube channel, you can kind of see 
just how simple it is. It's not anything that's complicated. It's a very straightforward process, but it's very effective in what we do. We try to fine tune things to help better serve that community based on the suggestions of the community members themselves. When we you know, try to take suggestions from them and try to get more items in. And so that's the basic flow of how those giveaways can go. All right. And I know that there are quite a number of cities these days who think they can or seem to think they can solve their homeless problem by uh, getting a police presence out there and, and harassing the people who are actually homeless as though they had someplace else to go. Um, yeah. Is is this something that has been uh, an issue in Austin? Is uh, Are the um, authorities cooperative with this? Did you have to do any kind of, of outreach there to, to make sure that your area wouldn't become a target for those kind of crackdowns? I mean, that, my goodness, it's it's such an interesting thing. The city of Austin and Travis County tend to do very well about trying to help the community. You know, city of Austin recently decriminalized people sitting on the street. And so as long as you weren't impeding traffic, you could sit on the sidewalk without being harassed or cited for doing so, as long as you weren't obstructing the walkway and stuff like that. But recently, coming down from the Texas legislature side, so the state level, which is, of course, also located in Austin as the capital of Texas, they have used a lot of their powers. Governor Abbott, to be specific, has used the powers of the state, of the Texas Department of Transportation, also state troopers, to forcefully remove individuals from their campsites that were underneath that were underneath bridges and roads that were owned and controlled by the state of Texas. And so that's like your I-35, for example. We do our, our giveaway under the I-35 bridge in downtown Dallas. It's a huge overpass that allows shelter from a lot of the elements. So if it's raining or something like that, if you're under the bridge, you're relatively safe. The cold will still whip through, of course, but you can at least get out of the wet elements if you need to. And so it was a very good place. A lot of people did camp out along the sides of that. However, they've been targeting individuals and removing their personal property from these sites. And so the last time we were, I was out there, they had signs posted up on several of the pillars down there saying that you will be removed from this area on a certain time. And so it's it's something that's kind of gone against the grain of what the city of Austin and Travis County have wanted. And so the state has kind of stepped in more so than you've ever seen them before. I'm not sure what interests are in play. Should I say I'm not sure what all interests are in play there, but I know a lot of business interests wanted the homeless population moved out of the downtown area. Um, they just wanted them out of that piece. And so I'm not sure what has caused the state to get involved so fervently, but now it's become a just, it's it's been a harrowing month this month. And there's a lot of talk between providers that provide services to those experiencing homelessness as to what the avenue forward is going to be. With all of these removals, the setup of some campsite that's about five miles away from the city center with no regular bus line that can actually connect the downtown area where most of the service providers are to this remote area on that side. It's, it is a very interesting process right now, but not every city does it like that. Of course, there's a lot of cities that are, are very 
supportive and try to do the best they can with the resources they have coming from local and private entities and also from federal HUD dollars that come down that are helping to help to defray homelessness and end it. But it is a mixed bag. It is really a mixed bag, especially now. This last month has been a very tumultuous one in the lives of those experiencing homelessness in the Austin area. All right. So it sounds like if somebody wants to start up a Atheist Helping the Homeless project, coordinating with the other local organizations would be a good idea. Um, we do need to go to commercial. So please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guest, Phil Session. This is Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. Atheist's Talk is an unusual show. Very few places in the U.S. can someone randomly turn on commercial radio and hear a bunch of atheists talking about topics that interest them. Much of the work we do, <clears throat> excuse me, much of the work we do to keep us on the air is done by a dedicated group of volunteers, but we do need your help too. Today, we'd like to thank in particular Cindy, Ross, Dick, and Steve for their recent donations. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to our radio fund, please visit minnesotaatheists.org or search for Atheists Talk on Patreon and sign up for exclusive content. Atheists Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheists, American Atheists, and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you'd like to advertise on the program, please contact us at radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael Davids and used with permission. Opinions expressed on this show are those of the speakers. You can find Minnesota Atheists' public policy positions at minnesotaatheists.org. Consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists if you're not already. Support our work and help steer our future direction. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call us at 952-946-6205, email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or find Atheists Talk on Twitter or Facebook. Phil Session is talking with us this morning about organizing volunteer opportunities for atheists. So when we went to commercial, we were talking about atheists helping the homeless um, and some of the uh, considerations for doing that when we're kind of in the middle of a national crackdown on um, homeless people, I think, more than homelessness. Did you have anything else you wanted to add on that, Phil? Yes, yes. So I did want to mention a little bit, like when people reach out to us, they'll send us an email or go to our contact us form on the website to say, hey, you know how I'm in this area and we have a group or we have a few people that are interested to do this. How do we even get started? Uh, as the years have gone on, we've developed um, little blurb, blurbs and support documents that we end up sending, up sending, but I did want to mention just a few of those finer points because the first thing that it really takes is kind of researching your own area on this side. So we send something that says things like, first, locate where individuals that are experiencing homelessness in your area actually gather. You know, in certain places, it may be closer to the jailhouse. If, if there is a large service provider for those experiencing homelessness or low income income individuals, it may be closer to there. But in your city, in your city, it's good to first before you first get started to research where people are, know where they actually are, 
and then from there start researching if there's any local laws that would impact your giveaway of certain items. For example, in San Antonio, years ago, you could not give out water bottles to individuals on the street. <laughs> and I, that was an, an ordinance, if I'm not mistaken, that would actually prevent us from doing so. It was a, it was a site, uh, you can get a citation for it, not only the person that was giving it away, but also the person that was receiving it. So that was one of those restrictions. Now that, that's gone now, thankfully, my goodness. But there may be those little quirks that are there that you may need to know. And so reaching out to your city official, like just a representative that may be able to know a little bit about those laws to let you know whether you can, whether there's limits on what you can give food wise. So in Austin and San Antonio, it's restricted to prepackaged foods only. And so think about things like your grand, uh, I say graham crackers, um, what else? Granola bars, fruit snacks, something that's already sealed, that comes directly from the manufacturer sealed, but non-perishable items, um, you know, those types of restrictions that could be there. And another thing is to locate a place where you could actually set up for a giveaway so that you're not impeding traffic, so that you're not breaking any laws yourself. And so the first kind of the first kind of weeks involves a little bit of research on your team's part to say where we are, what laws are impacting us, where could we actually set up a few tables to give something out. And then you start to really get into, you know, what kind of size is your population? What resources do you actually have? It is it's much more economical than people think when <laughs> goodness, when I was first uh, there started we would go to like you know a large store to get hu a huge amount of water so we would get you know 80 bottles of water something like that and pay maybe six dollars you can go onto several online retailers for for example toothbrushes you can get 144 toothbrushes for about twelve dollars you can get 144 uh, small pieces of toothpaste for about twenty five dollars you can get razors a uh, ten for a dollar sometimes at some dollar stores that are out there. And so it's being very strategic about your money, especially when we were down to just one or two people. When I first got started, that's exactly what I was taking. I was researching all the sites everywhere that I can find to try to get that together. So now when people want to start their chapter, I can share with them a wish list that can kind of get them started so that they can kind of see, okay, this is how much you can kind of expect. If you're serving, trying to serve 40 people, this is what you would be looking at. Uh, when it comes to doing so and being able to hold a, a giveaway that is effective and can actually make a small impact in the lives of those that are around you. And yeah. so those, those are the little resources that we try to give to get people started. All right. Excellent. Uh, we did get a question over the email. Uh, Steve writes in, a few years ago when Minnesota Atheists started community service projects, one of the internal criticisms were, Atheists will never outdo the religious in public service projects. Uh, to many of us, that's not the goal, but to do what seems like a natural part of the human condition, helping others because one can, and there is the need for help. Uh, have you had similar reactions? Yeah, I mean, yes, that's, it's definitely, I mean, the religious organizations have had a leg up on this for a while. Right. <laughs> let's, 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 let's start there. Uh, however, that does not preclude uh, uh, I think there's some audio playing there in the background, but um, 
sorry, we're not yeah. hearing it, so yeah. feel free if you can feel free to talk. Uh, but um, a lot of it comes down to us wanting to have an impact ourselves. It doesn't matter that there are large operations. So when we go out, even Austin AHH, which is huge out there, there are other groups that may come out there that are even larger that have the money to get large permits so they can actually serve hot food right there on the ground, that type of thing. However, however, what I will say is that the impact that we've had, you know, we're out there, we're out atheists, we have our, our group logo that's out there. It's not something that we're pushing. It's just a fact of who we are, just like all the other groups may, might wear their own shirts. We do as well. But that has an impact on how people perceive atheists, the misconceptions that they have about atheists out there in the first place. And we've had conversations with people that have come through the line with other providers that are out there that are religious in nature coming over just to figure out, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Why are you out here? That type of thing. And so never under, in, underestimate the impact that you can have. You may bring something unique to the table. A lot of the items that we provide are unique uh, to the table enough to where people look forward to us coming out there. People actually line up before we even get there. They're already sitting in line, queuing up, waiting for us to get out there because we provide unique items that they may not necessarily get elsewhere. And so we're valued in the community, even though there are larger operations than what we're doing. Like we're still a force to be reckoned with in our own right. And it didn't start out that way. We were smaller on that side, but we still got people coming up and once we got larger we were able to do more things with more resources and now we're expected and something to look forward to by the population down there and so do not let that discourage you uh, just because you're not the largest in the world doesn't mean you can't have an impact on someone's life right there in your own way in your own community all right so obviously, atheists helping the homeless is its own thing, but for other kinds of opportunities, um, for oh, Stephanie, I, I can't hear you right now. I'm not sure it's uh, I'm not sure if you're still. Huh. Okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> Solve one problem, make another. All right. Of um, so. Atheists helping the homeless is obviously its own thing, um, but for other volunteer opportunities for atheists, um, mm -hmm. have you ever ended up working with religious groups? Uh, for example, up here we have done, um, at least in the past, a monthly um, hot meal service, go into a, a shelter and, and cook the meal and serve to the, the folks there. Um, mm -hmm. But our opportunities for that have mostly been uh, limited to religious groups providing those shelters how about where you are mm -hmm. so that can come with the nature of the territory so for example habitat for humanity you know is a religious organization but the effect that they have and the fact that we could be atheists out there helping to help build a home and the homeowners right there as well and sometimes they're out there helping to build as well with the volunteers that's still worth doing so those infrastructures may already be set up there, but you know, being out yourself. I just gave a talk on this um, on the Black Nonbelievers Cruise actually just this past weekend. When you're out there, just you being you 
makes an impact on that side, even though it's in the context of this religious organization. It would be wonderful if there's a secular organization around it that has the infrastructure that you're needing to do so. So you have things like food banks, for example, something that's not necessarily religiously affiliated that has an infrastructure built that you can then take your volunteers, you can organize a project and go there as a collective to help volunteer in that medium. But when you have religious organizations that have had a leg up on this thing for decades and centuries and have had a chance to build up these things, that may be your only option. But that, like I said, still doesn't necessarily stop you from coming down there as a secular organization to represent yourselves and helping others in your community. Because at the end of the day, changing and having an impact on the lives in your community is what it's all about. It just so happens to have the added effect that you're atheists when you're doing so, and that helps to change the minds of the people that you're serving and those that are watching you serve those individuals as well. Now, I know we have run into issues here with um, people carrying uh, fairly confrontational atheism, often in the form of t-shirts, because we uh-huh. like wearing what we are, uh, into some of these volunteer events where um, where the people themselves may or may not be religious, the people we're helping. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've run into as well? It has. Uh, we have built ramps here in San Antonio that the person that we were building the ramps for, the homeowners and their families, were very much religious on that side. And we, the bottom line is, what are we here to do in the first place? We're there to help someone in need. In this case, this is building a wheelchair ramp for someone who is low-income, disabled resident inside the county limits for the most part, uh, Bear County, which is the what holds San Antonio. In that effect, we put a blurb out there on the event to say, hey, we don't know who we're going to be serving. We don't know what their beliefs are. It is fine to wear you know, atheist shirts or fact shirts or whatever else, but ones that are overtly offensive or very derogatory, something like that, that is something... All right. I that hate to interrupt you, but we do need to cut a commercial. We'll keep talking about this when we come back. Please okay. stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guest, Phil Session. I'm Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk. I'm your host, Stephanie Zvan, and today's guest is Phil Session, talking with us about uh, atheist volunteering. Welcome back, Phil. Hello, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So when we went to um, commercial, we were talking... Well, really, we were talking about uh, atheists using volunteer opportunities to... um, to proselytize, honestly, um, and often with some um, particularly confrontational uh, or even insulting messages. Um, you were talking about how you put information out, basically telling people that's not what we're doing, right? Right. And as I said before, the break happened. We're there to lend assistance in whatever mode that we're doing. So whether we're uh, whether we're cleaning up streets uh, during, you know, keep Austin beautiful or keep San Antonio beautiful, whether we're planting trees with tree folks or whatever it may be, we're there first and foremost to 
how do service work in our community. Now, it just so happens that we are a secular organization, and so there's no problem with wearing something that's, you know, has your organizational name on there that has fact on there or, you know, whomever else the group is. But we would discourage, especially like down in fact, we would make sure and put down there on the description of the event, for example, to say that if you have a shirt that is derogatory or something like that, you don't know who you're serving. You have no idea what their beliefs are. I understand that you know, people feel their own way, and some people are, feel very strongly about it and want to have that type of thing. However, that's not what we're here to do. And so if that's something that other people want to do, that's I, I wouldn't say that's okay, but you know, something you can do on your own at your own accord. But that also can have a hurtful effect uh, when you have positive atheists that are out there that are doing this work, and you come out there that being negative or being very confrontational with people agitating and looking for a fight to happen at that side, it really comes down to why are you actually out there? What is your actual goal of being out there? Is it to help or is it to pick a fight? And so at the... And it kind of undercuts, I think, a lot of our messages about how churches are uh, really unethically uh, using certain kinds of aid to proselytize that they are withholding aid until you know if we're forcing people to to deal with our confrontational um usually t-shirts really um when Mm -hmm. we're doing this stuff are we really being any different right there i mean there are churches that there are a lot of ones that do very good work but i've seen some out there under the i-35 bridge in austin where they would you know, have a prayer or something like that before they would open the line or you kind of force the captive audience that was waiting to get aid to have to wait through a sermon or a prayer before they even open the line. And that type of thing is egregious. Especially when you see it in real time and just witness this happening, it really makes your blood boil because it's like, is there aid that they're giving contingent on them waiting on this, but they're holding up the line. They won't let anyone through before it happens. It's not all the groups. It's not even a majority of the groups for sure, but it has occurred. And so that's definitely not something that I want to play to uh, play into or have that a part of any of the events that I help coordinate. And so if there's anything like that, that's something I'll have a conversation with that individual about to get them to reassess why they're out here in the first place, what is it that they're trying to do, and that if that's at odds with what we're about doing out there, then you this may not be necessarily the group for you. All and right, we are coming up, um, not too close, but we're coming up on the end of the interview. Are there general things we haven't talked about that you would want to say to groups that are looking to get more involved in community activism? I would say that a lot of people see a lot of the projects that I do or help coordinate and, you know, it looks intimidating because it's, oh, it's so big and it's all this stuff and goodness, they're doing all this. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Uh, Second, start doing a little bit of research in your own area. When you don't have the infrastructure to go out and do all of these things, that's understandable because to be perfectly honest, a lot of people didn't have that infrastructure to start with as well. They had to kind of learn what it was about. So reaching out to people that have 
started these projects is a good way to start to say like, hey, how did you even get started? Looking for things that are established like food banks in your area. San Antonio has the Haven for Hope project, which is the Homelessness Transformational Center here in San Antonio. And so I did lots of research. I went up there for tours just so I can find out, okay, how can we help? How could our group help to benefit this operation that's helping hundreds of people every day in the San Antonio area? You know, it's doing a little research in your area to find out. We made, we got projects with the city of San Antonio, for example, that I had no idea. Graffiti abatement was something that even kids can join in because having projects for kids is very important because you have a lot of atheist families that are out there and don't necessarily want to leave their kids with someone else. And so that was a wonderful way for a kid to have a paintbrush in their hand and we're just going up the side of a wall or something. <laughs> um, and it was, it was something different. And it didn't take any infrastructure from us to do. It was just finding out that, hey, this is happening, putting that information out there for your membership or just your group of friends to know about and showing up there together to help get it done. And so uh, what I will say is we get a lot of questions um, when we're out volunteering from a lot of places, from people that we're serving and those that are around. And one of those questions usually is, well, why are you out here? Why in the world are you out here you're an atheist organization you're not following a doctrine like what is this supposed to be and one of those questions i wrote down a quote of that uh, this is years ago when i was talking with someone but i uh, did have that quote what i explained to this individual that was asking who was actually a recipient coming to the line was that we all live in this society together and there's no help coming that we know of to fix the problems we see around us except what we come together to solve the small impacts that we have on people's lives every month matters. It matters to us Austin AHH volunteers. It matters to our friends and neighbors that receive items in our line. It matters to making the world, our world, that we all share together just a little bit brighter. There is no deity required to care about others. We are all in this together. It's what we do. And that is something that I live by and that fuels my humanistic approach to community service and wanting to promote that out there as an, a method. There's people give talks and speak. There's podcasts like this that are out there, you know, radio shows that are going on like this that are wonderful and spreading, you know, the word that atheists are normal, regular people that want to have an impact on their society and look forward to doing so, that are regular people in this society, that we have something to contribute and offer. And volunteerism and community service and within the secular community is a wonderful way to push that notion along that we are normal people, that right. we can do this. Thank you so much, Phil. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in to Atheists Talk. This is Stephanie Zavan, your host. Please join us again next Sunday. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope that you appreciate the show. This show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at minnesotaatheists.org. This is Atheists Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.